Thank you for listening to The New Norm. I'm Frank Caramano. It's Combine Week, so this is where all the tea gets spilled. You know what I mean? The you know the the, the news gets out about, you know, is, is this player going to get interest? And we're hearing it because it's been reported from numerous reporters out here. And we're going to start with this today, and we're going to talk about Hassan Reddick. Well, Hassan Reddick is drawing serious interest around the NFL. And this is really why I want to kind of start here, because it leads into something else that the Eagles have said that is being proven as an utter lie from their front office. But besides the point, let's just get into it. So Hassan Reddick's drawn interest from teams around the NFL. Okay, yeah, I get it, obviously. This guy's a double-digit uh, double sack guy every single season. I mean, we could sit here and argue about his play last season, I clearly don't think Hassan Reddick had the year that he had in 2022 and 2023. Statistically, that's proven. Fair enough to tell you that, hey, the scheme, the town around him, all that stuff was different and could have definitely contributed to him having a down year. Because, I mean, in 22, this guy was, in my opinion, the defensive player of the year. He was that unbelievably good. He was that important to the Eagles getting to the Super Bowl. In fact, he was so important to the Eagles getting the Super Bowl that the field became a major topic after the Super Bowl because we were not able to generate a pass rush from the edge, right? Hassan Reddick was neutralized by the field. Well, he was neutralized a lot this year, and it wasn't because of the field. So I tend to believe that, yes, the scheme didn't help him. Sure, him dropping back in coverage more was not a good thing, clearly, but I don't believe he just had the impact that he had the year prior. Now that could be contract related. It could be age related. It could be a, a myriad of things. But the league is telling you that they still think and you know believe he's a really good player. Which is funny because when Hassan Reddick was a free agent after his you know tenure in Arizona, I think he signed with Carolina for like a one year deal for like $6 million. So nothing. This was him coming off a, du um, a double digit sack season with the Arizona Cardinals. After the card or uh, the, his first year with the Panthers, where he again had double digit sacks, the Eagles signed him to a three year, $45 million deal, which was, by the way, you know, not like record setting money for a defensive end. It was just, it was, it was good money. It wasn't great money for that position, especially what that position is supposed to provide. The one thing I will say about this with Reddick though. Yeah. He's had injuries with the Eagles in the preseason, the last two years, incredibly durable. This guy is, and I'm telling you, I think maybe the league is looking at that going, Hey, he's an incredibly durable player. We clearly just underestimated him as a pass rusher because of his size and I think teams are starting to say to themselves, you know what, if we can get our hands on a player like Hassan Reddick, it makes our defense better. I still believe that with the Eagles too, but the Eagles just aren't willing to want to give him $25 million a year. They don't want to pay him like he's Nick Bosa. They don't want to pay him like he's TJ Watt. Fair, right, wrong, I don't know. But what I do know is this. Who did the Eagles pick 30th overall? In last year's draft. Another undersized stand-up linebacker slash rusher 
Nolan Smith. And I know the reports are out there that, hey, they didn't draft Nolan Smith to take Hassan Reddick's job. Okay. I think that, let, let, let's just call that out because I think that's bull. I think that is full bull, by the way. Just complete bull. Like annoyingly bull. And just dumb from this team. And it reeks of the Jalen Hurts pick. Here, here's the thing. If Jalen Carter did not fall in the draft, there were reports there that the Eagles wanted to take Nolan Smith at 10. At 10 over, like the 10th pick. He then tumbles down the first round because teams are, the, the scouting thing on him was this. He's undersized and he has one pass rush move. He can't shed blocks. You know, it's funny, the tape showed that this year with him, that he cannot shed blocks. I know in the limited amount of snaps he got, but he he can't shed blocks. His frame is his frame, you know what I mean? Some guys are just smaller guys, but some guys can put size on to their frame, and it doesn't impact, you know, the way that they're able to be in terms of an athlete. Him putting size on his frame could potentially impact him being a better athlete because his frame is his frame. But here's my whole point here. So the Eagles pick him then at 30. You're telling me that the Eagles decided, oh, well, this guy was just an undeniable pass rusher. You'd swear Nolan Smith was putting up gaudy numbers at Georgia. First of all, he was coming off an injury. He had a shoulder issue that he still has openly talked about. It's not like he hid this. He's openly talked about this shoulder issue that he's had. He dealt with it during the season with the Eagles. Remember, he got hurt with his shoulder um, midway through the year, um, but the Eagles pick him at 30, and the plan is for what? He's such an undeniable pass rusher that it just doesn't matter. We're going to have a rotation with him, Sweat uh, and Reddick. Because then this season happened, and Sweat and Reddick, who, by the way, Sweat didn't play essentially for two months. He was invisible, and Nolan Smith was not taking reps from him. They got rid of Derek Barnett, and Nolan Smith's reps did not go up. You know what I mean? Like, so... Nolan Smith wasn't playing because Nolan Smith just simply wasn't good enough to play. But here we are. We're talking about trading Hassan Reddick because we don't want to pay him. And guess what? The, the word out there is, well, the Eagles want to see Nolan Smith play. But you just told us when you drafted him, oh, well, we drafted him not to take Hassan Reddick's job. Hmm. Now, it's funny, and I and I... Like I said, I brought up the Jalen Hurts thing. Remember when you know Jalen Hurts was picked? He was not picked to play. Uh, take Carson Wentz's job. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. This one's even more egregious because Hassan Reddick did not fall off a cliff this season. They're using his age as the scapegoat, not his talent, to get the guy they drafted in. Now, here's the thing. Clearly, with Jalen Hurts, it was correct. You know, Jalen Hurts is a superior player to Carson Wentz. But Nolan Smith, like when Jalen got on the field in his rookie season, he showed flashes where you're like, okay, hey, this guy might have something. There's not one single time, I think maybe one play the whole season, I think there was just seriously just one play where I was like, Nolan Smith flashed. That was it. I just, I hate the, the the bravado of the front office sometimes. I really do. Like, 
they they just assume that you are just thick skulled or you know what I mean? Like we we can't put two and two together. Oh, we didn't draft Nolan Smith to take Hassan Reddick's job. Yet here we are. Hassan Reddick has what a little bit of a down season. Stayed healthy the whole year, played every game. You know what I mean? Like, still had double-digit sacks on a defense that was atrocious for a defensive line that did squat. And we're getting rid of him, potentially, so Nolan Smith can play? Again, hey, I'm with the... I'm not sitting here saying I would pay Hassan Riddick $25 million a year over the next three years. Like I said, I have fears that this year was a down year because maybe he's losing a step. Sure, and we just got absolutely ripped with the James Bradbury deal, right? And James Bradbury's a 30-year-old corner. So, uh, again, I'm not necessarily out on the way they're thinking, but I hate the idea that they told everybody, hey, we didn't draft Nolan Smith to take Hassan Reddick's job, when now it's clear and obvious that you did draft Nolan Smith to take Hassan Reddick's job. Your plan was maybe at... Nine, you thought that he was going to be gone by the time you picked at 30. But he wasn't gone. So yeah, maybe from pick 10 in the draft to pick 29 in the draft, you thought, oh, we're not drafting a guy to take uh, Hassan Reddick. Well, there it is. The guy we were going to pick fell to us at 30. Also from the combine this week. So Sirianni and Roseman spoke. And let me just tell you this. This guy's puffing his chest again, Nick Sirianni, and it's it's really pissing me off. Um, you know, after the season, when he sat there and he told everybody, hey, the offense is going to be the offensive coordinators, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to go sit in defensive meetings, whatever he said. He was going to be the head cheerleader, which is great, by the way. Th- that's what I want him to be. Now he's talking about how it's going to be our offense. How, hey, there's things that our offense did that, you know, we're not going to ignore. That that worked for the Eagles two years ago. Here's my thing. Is If Nick Sirianni is trying to take heat because Jalen Hurts may not like certain aspects of what Kellen Moore is going to bring to the table, that's one thing. But again... I don't believe anybody on the offense after what we watched for the last month and a half of that season can puff their chest at anything other than the the recognition that change is required. But I mean, if, if Nick Sirianni is simply just, you know, rehashing things that, hey, two years ago this worked and we're going to make Kellen Moore kind of play to our game, that I have a huge issue with. This is Kellen Moore's show. Let it be Kellen Moore's show. If Nick Sirianni wants to get in the good graces of Eagles fans again, I would tell him this. Let Kellen Moore be a success. Because if Kellen uh, Kellen Moore is successful next season and the Eagles offense drastically improves and the Eagles are a better team because of that, well, Nick Sirianni's not going to get fired, right? You know, this lame duck season that he's supposedly under right now, which he is. He won't be fired if the Eagles succeed. 
So I don't understand where he gets the idea that he's got to put his input. Try. It's almost like he wants to tie himself to the offense because he's worried that the offense will be well good. The defense, maybe not so much because, and again, I don't even think this is a Fangio thing. I think this is more or less a talent thing. Maybe he's not trying to hitch his wagon to the GM, but he's trying to say, hey, look, at I, I did have a part of the offense and it was so much better, so you can't fire me. I mean, if he's trying to play chess instead of checkers right now, you know, good for him, I guess. But if I'm Jeffrey Lurie, he's in my office and I'm saying, hey, you have every right to give Kellen more suggestions. That's fine, clearly. But this is his show. He calls the shots on offense. We are running his scheme. You had your chance, buddy. And, and, you know, we could talk about the, what is it, the NFLPA grades for each team, whatever. We're not going to get into that because, I again, whatever. The Eagles ranked fourth to 32 teams, which is great. whoop de doo The notable thing was that Nick Sirianni was graded an A. There were coaches that were given A-pluses, but Nick Sirianni was given an A. I think, who was it? I should pull this up. Let's just see here. Who were the three? Because I, I, and again, it literally means nothing, but I might as well try to find who the three coaches were that got A grades. So let's see. Or A plus grades. I'm so sorry. I know that's great radio when somebody's just not talking. Um, well, here were the owners' grades, by the way. We'll start there. Um, the Dolphins and Vikings got A pluses, and then the Eagles, Broncos, Jaguars, Ravens, and Packers got A. So Jeffrey Lurie, okay. Head coaches, A pluses went to Andy Reid, clearly, Dan Campbell, and Kevin O'Connell, the Vikings. A's went to Sean McDermott, Zach Taylor, Mike McCarthy, Sean McVay, Mike McDaniel, Mike Tomlin, Kyle Shanahan, Pete Carroll and the aforementioned Nick Sirianni. Here's my thing. If the players really gave a damn, and Ray Dittinger said this today, and he's absolutely spot on, that if the players gave such a damn about Nick Sirianni and they respected him so much, yada, yada, why'd they lay down in the playoffs for him? Knowing his job was potentially on the line, they laid down, which is a fact. That is a stone-cold fact. So, and again, I get it. Those ratings and stuff were done prior to the Chiefs game. Take that into account as well. You know what I mean? The Eagles got it eight. Like they were 10 and 1 going into that game, or nine, what was it? Eight and 1, whatever it was, going into that Kansas City Monday night game. And that's when these were all submitted prior. So, yeah, it, there was a glow over the Eagles at that time, sure. And, I, I, and I'm positive if they were done after the season, Nick Sirianni's grade would be much different. But just, you know, again. That, that's why I take those things with a grain of salt. They don't really mean much. Now, other news and notes that have come out from the Combine, and by the way, the players are just, this is Thursday night. I think all that's really worked out where 40-yard dashes were done by, I think, DNs, D-tackles, and linebackers. Pretty much, it, it's not been, it, it, nothing's really kicked in. So, you know, player interviews are being done, whatever. But, um... You're not going to know, like, all the, the players haven't been tested yet so much. But um, some other news and notes that have come out are, I am now fully under the belief that the Eagles are going to attempt to fix their safety position in free agency. 
I do not believe they are going to try to fix it via the draft, and I understand why. This actually does make sense. You drafted Sidney Brown last year in the third round. The plan is for Sidney Brown to eventually play. Unfortunately, he's injured, right? Regardless, he's going to come back at some point next season. I mean, I know you can't necessarily count on him next season because, again, he's coming off a major injury. But if you draft another rookie, you're getting very young in your secondary, but it's unknowns. You know what I mean? Like, let's just say you got Tyler Newbin from Minnesota, who I think is the best safety in the draft. Yes, he might be an excellent player, turn into one great, but it's a chance. You know what I mean? It's a risk. It's a hope. Versus if you sign a guy like Cam Curl, you know Cam Curl could play. He's proven he could play in the NFL at a high level. So I think at that position, because you already have one unknown in Sidney Brown, you kind of want to have a sure thing next to him. And it's a guy going into his second contract. Now, again, Xavier McKinney and Antoine Winfield Jr. are free agents as well. You would think the tags would come on those guys that the Bucks and the Giants won't let them go. I don't know. I don't, I didn't, I've heard possibly maybe one of them guys hits the market. Could. You know, again, if Antoine Winfield hits the market, I'm giving him what he wants. Like, I am going to get Antoine Winfield Jr. He is... He's literally a game changer as a safety. He's that damn good. So... And again, if he does, that's somebody where I could see the Eagles saying, hey, screw it. Let's go pay Antoine Winfield Jr. Because the one thing we would be able to do then is feel good about a major position in the middle of the field. And then, hey, Reed Blankenship and Sidney Brown can man that other safety position. You know what I mean? Like, then you're in a very good spot there. Heck, James Bradbury can move over to that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you have options then at the other safety position because you know, hey, at least we have a rock in a guy like Antoine Winfield Jr. And you could say the same for Cam Curl. Won't cost as much as Antoine Winfield Jr., sure. He's not the player that he is, but he's a damn good player himself. And I and I do agree with the philosophy of hey, there are a couple safeties out there that are gonna be potentially and again, the commanders have a the most cap space in the NFL. So if they want Cam Curl, they're going to get him. Like, they will re-sign Cam Curl if they really want to. So we got to kind of hope that they're trying to allocate their resources elsewhere and they let this guy go and the Eagles could go and make a move. Because I think that would be the best case scenario for the Eagles is that they get Cam Curl because I just don't envision Antoine Winfield hitting the market. Xavier McKinney, again, he's a great player, Alabama guy. Coming out in that draft, I remember I really liked Xavier McKinney. Um, He's had more injuries, though. Like, you know what I mean? He's been a little bit more beat up. So his durability is a question, but at the same time, again, if you tell me, hey, he's on, you're better with him on your defense too. Now, linebacker, I think the Eagles are going to – see, this is tough. They're in a really tough spot at linebacker <laughs> because great linebackers don't hit the open market, number one. I would think a guy like Van Ginkle from – Miami would be somebody that they kind of want to throw some money at. Not a ton, throw some. And by the way, when when you say this stuff, just let this be known. If the Eagles do end up saying, hey, they had some interest in Andrew Van Ginkle, 
And then, you know, he signs, let's say, with the Falcons or something, right? And again, who knows? And you're like, oh, man, you didn't hear the Eagles. Like, well, they may have been interested to an extent. You know what I mean? Every, every player has a price. And if, if they're past their price point, that's when you come off it. I mean, that's smart. That's good business. But again, like I said, I would think like a guy like Van Ginkle, because he could play the edge if necessary as well. And heck, maybe the Eagles like him as a red edge rusher and they want to sign him there. But I would think the plan at linebacker is, I mean, N'Kobe Dean is definitely in the plans. But at the same time, this is year three. Now, again, his first year, what can he do? He just didn't play because the two linebackers stayed healthy, Edwards and, and White. Last year was his shot. He got hurt. Fair, unfair, who knows? But here we are, year three. He's still in uncertainty. And that's a position that literally crippled our defense last year. It was that poor. You know what I mean? Like the, the defense just didn't have a chance to succeed because the middle was so weak. And it wasn't just linebacker. It was safety as well. So, yeah, I mean, ideally I'd like to draft a linebacker. Sure. But again, this class is, in my opinion, top heavy. Doesn't mean a guy like Trevon Wallace or the kid from McGee from Temple. There, there's guys that could definitely, and, and I guarantee there will be guys that you don't really count on that end up being excellent players. But I mean, the, the front four guys in this draft, that you, like names wise, and again, I'm sure this list varies with some. Maybe they aren't the front four guys, but you know, you got Edron Cooper, who I think is the best guy, Peyton Wilson from North Carolina State, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. and Junior Colson. I mean, those four guys, it's like you can't really just bank on getting one of those four guys. And speaking of banking on getting a guy, so, so again, before we leave and move on with linebacker, I will say this. Um, I think the Eagles are going to try to sign a linebacker. But again, it's like, they're, it's not going to be top. I don't know. Again, I, I would think they want to bring a veteran in that's above the, the level of veterans that they brought in last season. I mean, they gave Nicholas Moore no guaranteed money. And they signed Zach Cunningham, you know, two weeks before the season started. I don't believe they're going to do that same thing this year. They understand that the middle of the field was a major weakness and it needs to be addressed. And I, again, they may have hopes and uh, plans for Nicobe Dean, and I'm sure they do. But regardless, you need three really good linebackers. Even if you play nickel 100% of the time, you better still have three really damn good linebackers. Because, yeah, you were fortunate in 22 that Edwards and White didn't get hurt. But the year we won the Super Bowl in 2017, remember, we had three really good linebackers. It was Hicks, Bradham, and Kendricks. And Hicks got hurt. Middle of that season, Hicks got hurt. Not even middle. It was like early in the season he got hurt. But we were fortunate enough that we had Michael Kendrick sitting on the bench. And he was able to play. And we won a Super Bowl because of it. Like he played a major part in us winning a championship. So regardless, even if you do want to draft a linebacker, you got to sign a free agent as well. Now moving to corner. Yes, Sertan still remains the top guy. Like they want Patrick Sertan. Pat, they want to go all in to get Patrick Sertan. I'm sure it's going to cost them a first-rounder this year and a first-rounder next year, and that's great. I'm paying that price 10 times out of 10. I don't care. Patrick Sertans do not grow on trees. 
He is the best player in the league at his position, at a premium position, and he is only 20, what, four years old, 25 years old? Sign me up, give me Patrick Sertan, pay that man what he needs to be paid, and get this done if possible. I know Denver is listening to, to trades. Like, they're listening. It doesn't mean they're going to make one, but they are listening. So I'm assuming they're going to tell you a price eventually, and whatever that price is, I'm paying it, and then some, and I'm getting that player. But let's just first, like, because here's the other part of this. The Eagles are picking 22nd in the draft. That's their first pick is 22. Let's just say they really love Kenyon Mitchell. And I really love him. So, I mean, I, I would be in unison with them for loving a guy like Kenyon Mitchell. And let's just say they also love Terry and Arnold from Alabama. Kind of like when they loved Horn and Sertan the year they came out in 21. When they were picking 12th in that, remember they had the 6th pick, they traded back with Miami, they got another 1st rounder, and then they had the 12th pick. Well, they identified 4 players that they're like, okay, hey, when we're picking 12, one of these 4 guys will more than likely fall to us, and we are comfortable drafting any of these 4 guys. And those four guys were Smith, Devont, that's Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, J.C. Horn, and Patrick Sertan. And then Jalen Waddell went sixth, J.C. Horn went eighth, Patrick Sertan went ninth. And the Eagles were like, oh bleep, we got to go up to ten. And they were able to do so, making that trade with Dallas, to get Devontae Smith. That only cost them a third round pick. If they want Kenyon Mitchell and Terry and Arnold, Kenyon Mitchell, and again, I don't. This is I don't know. The teams don't care. It doesn't matter. What if he gets picked seventh? You know what I mean? Like, and Terry and Arnold's the only other guy you like value that, and you you can't go up to eight. You can't go up to nine or ten. Like, you know what I mean? From twenty two, it's it's not going to cost you just a third round pick. So that's where the conundrum comes here with this whole thing with getting a corner. Because if you don't get a guy like Sertan, what's going to happen is you're probably not going to spend major money on a free agent. Because again, great corners don't usually test the market. Like they don't hit the market. And Legereus Need is getting franchise tags. So I'm like, sure, I mean, you can make a trade still with him on the tag. Yeah, obviously. But it doesn't feel like the Eagles are going that route anyway. Yeah, there's other options out there. Jalen Johnson, but looks like the Bears want to keep him. So, I mean, there could be somebody you haven't heard of yet that becomes available. Remember when A.J. Brown? I mean, it wasn't like you were thinking it was possible at that time. So, yeah, there's going to be other alternatives, and I guarantee they'll be scouring them all. But at the same time, if it comes to the draft, and you're like, okay, you know, here comes the draft. We're going to get a corner. And that's great and all, but you don't just pick one to settle because that's the issue the Eagles had at wide receiver forever. It was like, hey, it's all right, we're going to pick a receiver in the draft. And then you kept picking the wrong one because the guys you ideally wanted were gone. Rager, why did we get Rager? Well, it's because um, Ruggs, Judy, and then uh, Lamb all went before him. And yeah, they missed Jefferson. They did, obviously. But it was also not that they just missed Jefferson. I think they wanted Lamb, and he was gone. I, that's the, 
you just don't want to put yourself into a position where you're going to pick a player at a, sp- a position because it's simply a position of need. Like if the Eagles, let's just say they have a high grade on Max Melton. Now, Max Melton's not going in the first round. He's the corner from Rutgers. And he, it, it, this is just an example. But let's just say he's a third round pick. Like th- that's where you're hearing. He, he's probably going to go in the third round. Well, do the Eagles take that chance? Because it just takes one team. Yeah, I mean, yeah, everybody thinks he's a third rounder, but the Steelers think at fifty-two they're gonna. That's all it would take. So then, yeah, your, your hopes were, yeah, well, we can get Melton at ninety-seven, which you wouldn't, by the way, but uh, we could get him at ninety-seven. And then it, it, there's a famous story with that. They thought they were gonna get Russell Wilson at like seventy-seven or whatever it was. And he went 15 picks early. They were so positive on that. And it ended up benefiting the Eagles because they picked Nick Foles. And Nick Foles ends up winning the Eagles a Super Bowl. But, you know, I mean, I'm just telling you, like, that's why I think this Sertan thing is something to keep monitoring. Because if it doesn't work, I don't envision the Eagles are going to go into this draft needing a corner and just settling on picking one. Because that strategy failed miserably at wide receiver and if Roseman is anything anything as a GM I'm hopeful that he can learn from his most glaring mistakes and that's one of them but that's pretty much the news and notes that has come out from Indianapolis. Like the salary cap is up to $255 million, So the Eagles are going to have a lot of money to spend. But guess what? Spoiler, that cap is for everybody in the league. So a lot of other teams got a lot more money to spend too. Um, it's great for the players. But again, I think we'll know more stuff probably next week. Once, you know, the combine's over. You know, draft boards are starting to get settled then. You know, teams have their pro days and whatnot. But, you know, interviews are taking place this week. So you're starting to get an idea, feel for who potentially, you know, teams might like. Remember, hey, the Eagles fell in love with Jalen Hurts because of a combine interview. So don't, you know, think these things aren't important. They're very important. But, hey, remember this with Hassan Redick, a day to note is I believe on March 15th, he's due a roster bonus of about a million bucks. The Eagles will want to trade him before then. Heck, they'd want to trade him before then more so, not just because of that roster bonus, but because you want to know if you need to go and sign somebody in free agency at defensive end if you lose him. That's more so what it's for. Yeah, trading Hassan Redick before the draft is still doable, I guess. But then you're really in a hole because I'm telling you, if they trade Hassan Reddick, they're signing somebody else to play the end. Yeah, I'm sure it won't be the caliber player that Hassan Reddick currently is. And if it is somebody that uh, caliber, it's going to be somebody coming off their first contract. You know, Grenard or whatever from Houston is a guy you could look for. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, I mentioned Van Ginkle. There could be a, a guy where they're like, hey, we like this guy. We know he's not this level player as, um, as Hassan Reddick, but we're going to spend, you know, half the money on this guy. We have more money to spend here. Like, just stuff to think about. But like I said, we're going to get a lot more news and notes um, going in next week. Like, next week's show, we should have a lot to talk about. A lot. 
potentially, hey, there could be a trade by that point. And we're going to start battening down on free agencies next week because um, I'm going to start going over all the players in free agency. And we're going to start coming up with a plan here. We're going to give you top fives at each position because, like I said, I just told you safety. I think that's where they're definitely going to sign a free agent. I, I would bet large amounts of money that safety is where they try to get somebody in free agency. Offensive line. Like, that's another one to pay attention to because they have six linemen right now. Like, that's it. I would assume they're going to probably try to sign somebody that could play be your sixth offensive lineman. Maybe it's Jack Driscoll. Um, tight end, I think they're going to do that in the draft, but wide receiver. Are you going to draft somebody in the, to, to be your slot receiver or to be your third receiver and have a rotation in that slot with A.J., Devontae, and this player? Or do they sign somebody? Running back, clearly. Like, the running back's the big one. You know, that running back market isn't going to be what people think it is. You know, I heard people report on this today too, and it's like, to me, it's common sense. Like Saquon Barkley didn't have, isn't coming off a big year. He's not getting big money. Josh Jacobs isn't coming off a big year. Team fault or not, whatever, he's not going to get big money. You know, Derrick Henry is thirty. He's not going to get big money. So, like the Eagles might have a shot if they really do like a guy. Like let's just say Barkley. Maybe they're like, screw it, we can get Saquon Barkley for two years, ten million dollars. We'll have a ton to talk about for the next couple of weeks leading into free agency because that's going to be the first step and the first stop in terms of how the Eagles improve this team and fix this roster, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But don't think they don't have to address the offensive side because they sure do. So I want everybody out there to stay safe, stay healthy, stay educated, and as always... Oh, oh, oh before I leave, hold on. It would be neglectful of me to not bring up the A.J. Brown interview from last Friday. Um, so here's the thing. I don't... It, it, that's just... The stuff he said to me was like... If you've listened to my show, he pretty much said what I believe already. Like, <laughs> the Jalen Hurts has to be a better leader stories. That come, that, that's just nonsense. You're not going to ask somebody to be different... That's his personality. You know, AJ reiterating that he wants to be an Eagle. He likes being an Eagle. Um, but I, listen, Philadelphia is a tough place to play. It is. There's a big microscope on the sports teams. There's a lot of talk that happens. There's going to be hypotheticals. I get it. And again, I'm, I'm not criticizing radio shows in Philadelphia. I mean, when you got to do a show for four hours a day every day, um, you know, you got to create some things to talk about. But this whole nonsense about dissension in the locker room, all that stuff, like, again, we all knew it. And again, I know we all wanted to find holes, try to figure out what the hell happened to this team. Why did they fall off a cliff? And sometimes it's just, hey, the team just wasn't that damn good. And he even said that. He goes, we were 10-1, and but we knew we had some problems. And spoiler, they did. And you know what's funny? I think back to a thing I put on X when I said, after they lost the Cowboys game, when I said Nick Sirianni simply did not have the acumen to get the Eagles out of the hole they were, and I remember reading some of these comments, oh, they're 10-3, and three, relax, what do you know, you're an idiot, blah, 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 they just played in the Super Bowl. Like, people literally just call me a moron. And then it's like, guess what? I was 100, I, I could, you know, you want me to, like, puff my chest out? Because I was right. 
He didn't have the acumen. They fell off a cliff. You know what I mean? It's one of my proud, like, I got you moments. And I, again, I don't go on there and read the comments or comment back, but because it, it, it's such a toxic, toxic place, those those social media websites. Um, but that's the point. And so when the A.J. Brown stuff, like, it, it was great to hear him. I'm glad he was defending his teammates. He's an accountable guy. He's great in the locker room. I'm sure of it. I, I'm a big fan of A.J. Brown, clearly. He's one of the best, if not the best receiver in the entire NFL but that's it. There's really not much to talk about. I mean, I, I'm not somebody who bought into any of the drama anyway, so that's why if you don't hear me talking about it, it's because it's like, to me, it's nonsense, and people really shouldn't care about it. It really wasn't a story for me. Maybe some people made one into it, and it was big news that it was not a story for me. So I want everybody out there to, uh, and you know, that'll be the end of that. But So everybody out there, stay safe, stay healthy, stay educated, and as always... Go Eagles, go.